Welcome to MS Minute with DCND, your podcast for understanding multiple sclerosis. Every month, our MS experts tackle a different topic to help you manage your disease and live a better life. DCND is a private neurology practice based out of Dayton, Ohio. It's certified by the National MS Society as a comprehensive MS care center. Please note this podcast and its content is designed for educational and informational purposes only. Welcome to MS Minute with DCND. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Today, we are tackling a very important topic um, of any patient's journey, really, and it doesn't just involve the patient. I'm your host, Natalie Pugar. Dr. Sharon Merriman is joining me today to discuss the important role of caregivers. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. Well, thank you, Natalie, and thanks for asking. Yeah. Well, we'd love to get your expertise on this. So let's start with talking about why caregivers are so important in any patient's journey, whether it be MS or something else. Well, thanks, Natalie. Um, As you know, um, being both a healthcare provider, a daughter, and a sister, I get the opportunity, and a mother, I get the opportunity to also be on the caregiver end, you know? So the caregiver is so important in this journey because the caregiver helps helps the patient, right? You know, the, the caregiver is really the patient co-pilot, mm-hmm. you know, for steering the car down the road of healthcare, autonomy, and what do I want it to look like for me? Yeah, which is all very important parts of the journey, I think. Yes. We talk about limitations, and I think that's an important part of why caregivers are there. And especially with MS, everybody's limitations and symptoms are very different. But can you shed some light on on how those caregivers can help with physical limitations and things at home specifically? Um, So I think that for always, and I know our caregivers know this, and, you know, caregivers need to follow the advice they would give to somebody else in their shoes, right? We all love to give advice. Nobody really likes, everybody likes to say, eat your vegetables and meditate. But then when the time comes, people sometimes don't. I think that the first thing is, you know, that airplane theory, caregivers have to take care of themselves. And I think that you know, exercise, the caregiver exercising has so many benefits from a mental health point of view, you know, the good endorphins, but it also helps build your strength. So you can help physically care for the patient. And then, uh, Natalie, I apologize if this is not when I'm supposed to say this, but, you know, also physically caring for the patient is sometimes saying, I can't care for the patient. You know, and that is a tough thing for caregivers to hear and sometimes even for the patient to accept. And so sometimes, you know, you need to think about physical therapy or occupational therapy or a caregiver in the home or a change to the environment. You know, sometimes just an elevated toilet seat makes everybody's life a thousand times better. But being sometimes you're so knee deep in the weeds that you don't even think about those things. And that's where listening to friends or like the support groups can really help you think about things. Oh, I think that's a great idea or a great point too, that, you know, at some point it it is okay to just step back too, if it's too much. Uh, You know, it's like raising your kids or being in any long-term committed relationship, even your spouse, right? Like sometimes you talk to somebody about something at home and they give you that light bulb idea and you're like, man, why didn't I think of that? It's because you're too deep. 
that's why you have to really do all that great self-care so that you don't get too deep. You know, you have to, you've got to take care of you and you can't feel guilty for taking care of you because then you're not taking care of you. Mm-hmm. How can how how can caregivers help emotionally with parent or patients? You know, things that I obviously when you're living with MS, that changes on a daily basis too. So how can a caregiver help with um patients emotionally? Um, you know, you and everyone else on this podcast is going to think that I um am just a uh sound wheel and that you have just hit the repeat button, but to help anybody emotionally, right? You've got to help yourself first. So to, to be emotionally present for somebody else, you have to be secure with where you are. So my real hope for anybody listening to this podcast is it's okay to take care of you so that you can take care of others. And then after you take care of you and you're trying to take care of others, periodically ask those reevaluating questions, you know, like, what is our current goal of care? And also keep in mind that sometimes when people are coming at you with anger or sadness, what they really have is fear that they don't know how to word, you know? So if somebody is really insistent on doing whatever, try to find out why it matters, you know? Like why does somebody so much resist using a walker? Okay, well, maybe there's some story from their childhood or they're worried about hurting your shoulder, you know, so it's hard to say if, if it is, they're worried about hurting the caregiver, or maybe it is another sign to them to where they are at the disease and they're not ready to admit that. But, you know, it'd be way better to go to the kid or the grandkid's soccer game in a wheelchair and be able to sit there and enjoy it and safely get into the wheelchair, into the restroom, than to walk on that uneven surface, face plant, and then have to go to the hospital. You know, like sometimes, you know, all of us, uh, we, we get so into this that we don't think about the overall big picture. You know, like what, what is the goal of the event? If the goal of the event is the family needs to have fun and the patient needs to have fun, then do whatever you can to make that a fun situation. If it's more about the patients, um, if it's something for the patient, then maybe you would worry a little bit less about safety and a little bit more about autonomy, you know? So you're always going to have shifting priorities. Let's talk about communication too, because that's what I'm hearing from you is that communication is also really important between the caregiver and the patient of making sure that everyone's on the same page. Can you kind of talk about that? Yeah, I think that it's really important um, to make sure that you're understanding why something matters to the patient. And the patient and the caregiver have to be able to lovingly and respectfully communicate each of their positions. And like all emotionally tense communication, both people have to make sure they're doing their self-care and they're in the right space so that you don't say something, you know, you might regret later. And, you know, the typical, the stereotypical scenario is the patient is worried about losing their independence or being a burden. 
and the caregiver is worried about not doing enough to help. And so it leads to kind of these power struggles. And that's what I'm saying. Whenever there's a power struggle or an event, try to take that step back and figure out, you know, why it matters. You know, like, are they embarrassed? Are they fearful? Like, what, what is their main goal? And whatever you can do, you know, try to accommodate it. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Um, I mean, because it really does take a team effort. I think when you're living with MS, you, you have a, a support system all around you. I mean, so it might not just be one person too, right? Correct. Correct. And really, it shouldn't be one person. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter what you're talking about in life, MS, dementia, or just regular, you know, somebody's part of the sandwich generation or somebody has kids and a career, you know, everybody needs a support system. So while we're caging this and the window of MS, the honest answer is it's what we all need. Yeah. We all need to give ourselves more grace and if you have more than one caregiver or more than one person in your wheelhouse, it also helps you to express the different parts of your personality, right? You know, sometimes you want to listen to the, the sing me the blue songs and other times you want to laugh at a movie and you need different friends to fill different sets or different caregivers to fill different sets. And, you know, you have to give, you have to give yourself permission to still be you still be true to yourself despite whatever disease or disability you're dealing with, you know, cause you always want to stay Sharon with MS as opposed to MS has Sharon. I love that. And that's sometimes where we need to think creatively about how you can, you know, make things, make things occur or make things right. You know? Yeah. No, that's, that's brilliant. You mentioned well, I've been a caregiver for a thousand years. I'm like four thousand years old, so I have a lot of experience. So you know, and I love how you you drew that. You know that it's not just when you have a, a dementia or an MS or or you know whatever. It's in a daily life. You know, everyone can take this advice and and kind of make it and tailor it to themselves. Right, and the reason I tell people to follow their own advice is that you know, right? The big push in healthcare now is take care of yourself. The big push in the police department, take care of yourself. So especially as people are coming off of COVID, everybody's a little emotionally drained, and you know it's okay to refill your own cup. Yeah, you know you don't have to ask permission. It's now how about. Can do for somebody else. Yes, yes. So on the flip side of that, you know, when when should somebody ask for help? You know, if you you're you want to be independent, you want to you know still be able to do everything yourself. But is there ever a point, you know, and what is that point to say I might need a caregiver, I might need help? Um, it's kind of like talking to your children about drugs or sex. You want to do it before you need it. Yes, because if you wait until they're in junior high to have those discussions, eh, you've missed some opportunity. So picking a caregiver or picking a support person should be done before you need it so that you're sure you have that opportunity to mesh with the person, you know, and ideally you will have spent a fair amount of time with them because that way, if you're ever not feeling the best, 
and you treat them with less than grace, they know that that's not your core. Because when all of us are sick, we're not our most pleasant self. And so um, sometimes being a caregiver means swallowing a little bit of what you might not like to swallow. But if we're all truthful with ourselves and we're all real, we have all projected that onto somebody else. So, you know, our patients shouldn't feel guilty if they're not perfect because none of us are perfect, Mm -hmm. you know? And so finding the caregiver before you need them, finding the support group before you need it, because that way you have that circle of trust built and you, you know, each other's strengths before you have to rely on them. Mm -hmm. You alluded to this early on, but at what point do you think um, somebody should be looking to hire extra help instead of, you know, relying on that caregiver necessarily? Like when should you hire somebody? Um, You know, there was an article in a Christian magazine called Guidepost that um, I used to file and keep. And it talked about a couple that was reasonably stressed out by their caregiver roles and they went to a counselor and the counselor told this couple in in this magazine you know you need to get help because you can't be best friend spouse and caregiver and sometimes for whatever reason you know people feel like their finances won't allow it or they want to leave more for the kids But really, it's kind of like anything else. You just got to find a creative way to make it work. And I've seen many families or a couple families make it work by playing the trade game. Hey, you know, Natalie, I will take your person and my person to the MCL cafeteria on Saturday. And then two Saturdays from now, can you come over while I do whatever? And, you know, people make it work with this, Mm -hmm. you know it's like with anything else in life. Sometimes you got to think outside of the box. That's We're not all square pegs. <laughs> That's so true. Um, so according to the MS Society, caregivers spend at least 24 hours a week providing care. And about 64% of those polled report feeling emotionally drained. So let's talk a little bit about taking care of the caregiver and why that's so important and where somebody should start. Because like we said, we got to fill our own cups. So where do we start with that? You absolutely have to fill your own cup because um, if you don't fill your own cup, you're not going to be effective. And worst case scenario, you could even cross the line into abuse or criminal. You know, um, if you, you know, I remember uh, more than one situation in my career where you know, the caregiver had crossed that line to inappropriate. And when you met with them and you talked with them, most of them had the best of intentions. You know, they really never wanted to cross that line. It's kind of like boiling a lobster, right? One degree at a time. So the caregivers, I would honestly say the most important thing people need to do is schedule the time, pull out your calendar and it's non-negotiable. And Give yourself permission not to explain what you're doing or why you're doing it. The answer is no. You know, I, I can't do it right now. Some caregivers do best at like one, 
one big day off every, every week. Other caregivers like a little bit of block time. You know, know yourself. But, you know, the average rule of thumb is you should have at least 24 hours off a week from caregiving where you are just you. You decide for yourself if that's a little bit of time or one big block of time or if it's variable. But get in your schedule. Make it non-negotiable. Keep all of your own doctor's appointments. Go to that dentist, you know, because caregivers also have a higher risk of their own health issues, mm. including infection, diabetes, high blood pressure. So, you know, I think it was called, there, there's some organizations out there that help caregivers learn what they need to do. Um, but, you know, most of it is, is really uh, like you're taught, you got to take care of you. Um, also very important not to, to pay attention to the own voice inside of your head. You know, people are like, well, I'm married or, well, it's my sister. Okay, well, the Bible says to honor and respect. It doesn't say that you have to kill yourself doing it. Mm. You know, so even Jesus rested one day, right? The right, right. <laughs> people have to give themselves permission to do that. And, and I mean, I know it's hard. And, you know, my own brother just went into the hospital and we actively debated, do we come home from vacation or do we stay? And we ended up doing a little bit of both because I knew that I needed to be able to be kind and polite and respectful when I got home. And mm -hmm. if I didn't have a, some downtime, it wasn't going to be good sharing. <laughs> yes. But having that conversation with yourself, you know? Yeah, and, you know, I can't say that it was all me. There was at least four of my friends in the prayer group that said, do not come straight home. Mm. You know, so, you know, part of, I think, why you picked me for this, Natalie, is that, you know, my backstory, right? Mm -hmm. so yeah, why don't I, we share a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm walking the same walk that, you know, all, all of these people are walking, you know? I mean, I was, you know, when we were little, raised to, uh, when I was little, you know, like we were raised, my parents had me, uh, help get groceries for the little old people in the neighborhood, you know, and then it was go to the grocery store with grandma. But, you know, for a lot of years, I was the main support person for my demented mother and she lived in assisted living and I didn't trim my own nails until I trimmed hers or until I had somebody else trim hers. That's how I knew <laughs> to trim her nails. Yeah. You know, and, you know, and now, you know, my brother that's 20 years older than me is having a lot of health issues, not married, no kids, never has been. So, you know, walking the walk is something that we all do, you know, through all of this journey, right? I've had kids, I've had a career, I haven't won the lottery. Darn it. <laughs> not you yet. Know? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> so, you know, and you have to also figure out what works for you. You know, like sometimes downtime for me is reading a book. Sometimes downtime for me is walk. Sometimes downtime might be shooting the breeze with a friend. And I think that sometimes people forget that there's different parts of them. And it's okay for you to use all of your parts. And it's okay for you to ask somebody else to do something. And then just like when you're raising a kid with somebody, if you ask somebody else to go to the grocery store for you or to do somebody else's laundry, 
you got to give up a little bit of control because, you know, if somebody bought the Meyer brand instead of the French's brand, you know, the world is still going to revolve. Yeah. It's still going to be yellow mustard that you're putting on that hot dog. And sometimes we get too into whatever. Our role as caregivers. Yeah. Sometimes our we role as caregivers. Yeah. Yeah. It all goes back to the serenity prayer, right? Change what you can change and accept what you can't. And, um, you know, that's, I have often thought that that's part of why, uh, I enjoyed my career was my real life experience, you know, and my dad died when I was in medical school. So I have walked the same journey as most of our family and friends, you know what I'm saying? And you have to give yourself grace and it's, way easier for me to look at you on this zoom call and say, give yourself grace. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, last week when I was on vacation going, come home or stay, come home or stay. But I literally would make sure that I talked to my brother, uh, two to three times a day and that I would touch base with my family and I, we would touch base every day to decide what we needed to do and how we should handle it. And then when the decision came that we had to come home, it was much easier, you know? So try to, try to follow all the advice you would give somebody else where walking your shoes, treat yourself like your own friend. Yeah. That's great advice. I love the real life advice there too, because that's so true. And that was going to be my final question for you is if, you know, a new caregiver, a brand new one who hasn't walked this walk before is listening, you know, what other advice would you have besides, besides all the great advice that you just shared? Um, if you're new to the situation, I would say, you know, keep in mind anytime, you know, new things always feel overwhelming um, and they're supposed to because they're new. But, you know, just keep, keep figuring it out. Keep working, keep talking to somebody, you know, like you and I hear as many people tell us that they love support groups as we hear say they hate support groups. Mm. So if you go to support group and it nourishes your soul and you're getting a practical tip, you keep going. If you go to the support group and you're like, Ooh, 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 well, try it twice, <laughs> try it twice. And then be like, I'm done with it. <laughs> you know, cause the first time maybe it just wasn't the day for you, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And then I think the biggest, biggest thing is everybody has to take care of their sleep schedule, their spiritual schedule, and their own eating schedule. Mm. You know, if you're dehydrated, you're not going to be nice, no matter if you're a caregiver or not. If you skipped a meal, you're not going to be nice, whether you're a caregiver or not. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I love that. So find what works for you in your own situation too. Right. Exactly. What else am I missing about this topic? Um, Probably what I would really encourage people to do is to, uh, and this comes from another guidepost publication. I think it's called Strength. I could be wrong, but it is about caregivers. Find the beauty in it you know, find that borrowed time, you know, like uh, you're, you're getting some golden opportunities for family bonding and family healing and family laughter that 
if you weren't the caregiver, you wouldn't be around to laugh with. So find that joy. Find, try to find a little bit of joy in the situation every day. And, you know, accept that it might not be exactly what you wanted it to be, but it's still joyful, you know? Uh, you just have to have fun with it, you know? Well, that's beautiful. That's absolutely I, true. Whenever I would take my mom or brother to the doctor, we always would, okay, where do you want to get food afterwards? You know, and then when my mom got to the point that she couldn't really um, always pick from the menu with her dementia, she couldn't, you know, just do, do you want ice cream, you know, and then just take care of that. You know what I mean? Like try to find, try to find the joy. Yeah. I love that. Cause you know, a lot of times in the press anymore, it is like the burden of caregiving, the burden, the burden, but you're so right. It can be very emotionally satisfying as well. Yeah. Cause you know, we would all like to say that we have the perfect family, the perfect parents, the perfect spouse. And we, of course, ourselves are perfect, right? <laughs> We're just all perfect. But when you are being a caregiver to someone and you're helping them and they smile at you, well, that's joy, you know, or you're sitting down on the couch together watching the wheel is fortune and you're, you're guessing that's joy or you're watching them watch their kids at a soccer game, that's joy. Mm. So just don't, I always get that Martha Mary thing confused, you know, be the one that is finding the joy mm. and not too into the task because the to-do list is still going to be there tomorrow. You know, find, spend some time finding some joy. Love it. Love it. That was great words to end on. Thank you, Dr. Merriman for all of your time today. God bless. And good luck, everyone. We're all in this boat together. Yes, Have a good day. we are. Thank Bye-bye. you. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, we have more resources for caregivers on our website. You can find them at dcndinc.com slash projects slash multiple sclerosis. Thanks for listening.